from Car Rigs and Ingram, this is It Figures, the CRI podcast, an accounting, advisory, and industry-focused podcast for business and organization leaders, entrepreneurs, and anyone who is looking to go beyond the status quo. Hello and welcome. Glad you could join us today. My name is Alan Jowers. I am a partner in the Destin, Florida office of Car Riggs and Ingram. And uh, with me today is Heather Jordan. Heather, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Heather Jordan. I'm also a partner. I'm in the Niceville, Florida office of Car Riggs and Ingram. And Heather and I have uh, been assigned to a firm-wide task force on the CARES Act, which was passed by the Senate, uh, U.S. Senate, in response to the coronavirus epidemic that has happened. And we've kind of lived and breathed PPP and idle loans and all these things that you've heard about relating to the CARES Act uh, for the past three or four weeks now. Uh, We've been holding daily briefings amongst our task force and trying to keep um, trying to keep our people internally informed and then also trying to uh, to help our clients through uh, things such as this podcast and also some uh, quick hits webinars and, and articles on our website and things like that so um, we've been we've been involved with PPP now um, since its inception and have really uh, dived into the details. And what we want to cover today uh, in a little bit more in-depth format is uh, the the PPP program, the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, and specifically the forgiveness piece of that. So we've we've been through a process now where a lot of people have these loans. Um, they've, They've been funded or they've been approved by the SBA through their bank. Um, and now they're looking at exactly what needs to happen uh, from a forgiveness standpoint because these the PPP loans come with a level of forgiveness. So if you spend money, if you spend the money from the loans on items that the federal government has made available to you, then those amounts can be forgiven and the loan does not have to be repaid. So Heather, talk real briefly about uh, the different types of expenses uh, that can be included in the forgiveness amounts relating to PPP. The first main expense that um, the point of this money is supposed to cover are your payroll costs. And payroll costs are your salary wages, commissions, um, or other compensation that are paid to your employees. This is their uh, gross wages, so it does include any employee portions of taxes and any employee deferrals for retirement plans, um, any employee payments for health insurance. It also can include the employer costs that that employer spends on behalf of the employee for health care coverage, that's the insurance premiums that they pay for them, and any contributions that the employer pays for their retirement costs. There are also um, a portion of the funds can be spent on interest payments, on mortgage obligations. Um, It can be spent on rent costs. It can be spent on utilities. And that includes electricity, gas, water, phone, 
um, internet. Um, so those are the main categories of costs that can be used to make this loan forgiven. Right, and it, there is a there is a, a percentage cap on the non-payroll items. Is that correct? That's correct. So the maximum you can spend uh, with these funds on the non-payroll costs, which are your rent, utilities, and your interest, is 25%. So if you look at the loan amount that you've gotten, you need to multiply that by 25%, and uh, that is the maximum you can spend on those non-payroll costs. Right. So if you've got a loan of $100,000, just to make the math easy, then the most you could spend on the non-payroll is 25000 Obviously, the, the remaining seventy-five is is what they want you to spend on payroll. And I think that's in keeping with what the federal government wants uh, to do. They want the employees of these small businesses to be receiving paychecks and to stimulate the economy in that way. Um, so they do want the bulk of that money to go to the, the payroll costs, which, as you said, includes health care, uh, includes retirement. And, and what's the period for, um, for these costs, the forgiveness period? So the forgiveness period starts the minute that you are funded uh, with your PPP loan, and it lasts for the next eight weeks. So you have, from that time when you get the money, um, an eight-week period to document and to spend that money on these qualified payroll at 75% and non-payroll payroll costs um, at no more than 25%. So you get your notification that you have been approved by the SBA for your PPP loan. And that the bank has uh, a certain number of days to to fund that loan to you, and then uh, once you receive that money, that's when the eight week period starts. But I think and maybe you've heard the same thing I have. It seems like there is some concern over that eight week period, um, particularly if you have businesses that are in some in some shape of being shut down. Um, if they get their PPP loan, but yet they're not allowed to open, uh, I think there's some people that are saying they would like that eight-week period to be deferred. Is that something that you have heard as well? Absolutely, especially for those industries like restaurants, um, uh, certain doctor's offices that have not been able to perform their normal services but could only do um, maybe emergency services. So they essentially had to shut down a portion, if not all, of their practices or their locations. Um, there has been talk of maybe expanding that eight weeks or changing the, the date when that eight weeks begins based on your specific state and when your shutdown orders were maybe lifted and you were able to get back to work. It's going to take some time for those types of businesses to bring their employees back um, after they have been laid off. So there is definitely some talk out there of some changes to the rules behind the, the eight-week period. So we'll just have to wait and see if future guidance is released uh, regarding that. Absolutely. And I think you, you, you hit on a very important point that we want to pass along to the listener, and that is that a lot of these rules, uh, they just haven't been written yet. Um, you know, this was a program that, that came on very quickly. And I think the, the Treasury Department in, in Washington 
rightly focused on getting the money out as quickly as they could and writing the rules relating to the application process. Um, and so now they're kind of turning their attention to the, the rules that are written associated with the forgiveness. Um, and there are some stipulations, obviously, in the act itself, and that's where we're getting some of this information from. But um, it's certainly uh, there needs to be some additional details that get fleshed out. And I think that that could be one of the items that, that does get fleshed out for those businesses and, and entities that have circumstances that are effectively precluding them from hiring employees. Uh, how are they supposed to pay the employees during this, this eight-week period? There are, there's a handful of things that can also affect um, the forgiveness. Uh, and we'll talk in a minute about um, the number of employees and about compensation. But um, talk a little bit about how the, the, the rent and the utilities or the mortgage payments, those had to be in place by a certain date in order for them to count as far as forgiveness on in this program. That's right. So those particular things needed to be in place prior to February 15th. So you can't just come in, uh, you know, after this disaster has happened and put a lease in place and start paying rent and have that count for your qualifying costs. Those had to be in place prior to February 15th of 2020. Okay, great, great. And do we know any right now about any um, any stipulations about third parties or can these rent agreements be within related parties? I, I don't think that I have seen anything that precludes uh, that, um, but perhaps that's something that may come down as the rules get uh, get written out. It may. I, I haven't seen anything particularly that um, excludes any related party. We've got a lot of situations where, you know, one entity, especially in a, a, a doctor, uh, one entity owns the facilities that the doctors practice in, and then the, the practice happens in a different entity, and um, the payroll is going to be paid in that practice entity. Um, and I, I haven't seen anything that restricts you from having any leases in place between any related parties. Okay, great. Um, I know that right now we have identified um, two different sets of circumstances that could reduce the amount of forgiveness that you get, even if you make the payments for those required items that we talked about earlier. One is if you have a reduction overall in your workforce. And the second item is if you have a reduction in the level of compensation that you are paying to any of your employees. Why don't you talk about that for a second, just kind of flesh those concepts out a little bit. Sure. So the, the first one, the reduction in number of employees, is called the full-time equivalent employee test. And so what it does is it looks at a comparison period. Um, so you can choose whichever whichever one is best for your particular situation of looking at February 15th through June 30 of 2019. And you go through a calculation of how many full-time equivalent employees did I have during that period. And as a side note, the SBA has not come out and specifically told us how to calculate full-time equivalent employees. 
What we're going with is um, the same rules that kind of happened with the Affordable Care Act in that you look at 30 hours a week, at, at least 30 hours a week as a full-time employee. And anyone that's working less than that, you would add up hours and then divide by that 30-hour week um, total to determine how many full-time equivalents that results in. So you calculate that full-time equivalent number for that comparison period of February 15th through June 30. Or alternatively, you can choose January 1, 2020 through February 29, 2020, if that makes sense for you. And then you compare them to the number of full-time equivalents that you have over that eight-week period when you're using your PPP money. And if that number of employees has reduced, then there's a ratio calculation that you have to do that will um, negatively affect your forgivable portion of the loan. Uh, the second reduction is the reduction in compensation. So your loan forgiveness uh, can be reduced if any employee's total pay is reduced more than 25% from the total in the most recent full quarter they worked. So if you were paying someone a certain amount of money and maybe you reduced their hours um, and now they're making less than 75% of what they were making before, if it goes down more than 25%, then that amount that of reduction that's greater than 25% is going to be directly subtracted from your forgivable portion of your loan. And so really what, what the federal government is saying is we want you to pay the same number of employees you were paying prior to the coronavirus, and we would like you to pay them not much less than what, you, than what they were making. Uh, prior to the coronavirus. That's exactly right. And there is a uh, stipulation that um, if your workforce has been reduced, between, well, basically in March and April, but yet you get your workforce back up to full strength by the end of June, then you should be okay. Is that correct? That's right. Um, so it's allowing people some time to get that workforce back in. And as long as you're back up to where you were at the June 30, 2020 date, then neither of those reductions um, would have to be taken against your forgivable portion. I think it's one of those good things where they understand it's going to take a little while for, for businesses to recover and to get their workforce back up to speed. So as long as you make a good faith effort and get your workforce back to where it was pre-coronavirus, um, they've kind of given you a little bit of leeway as well on that. So that that's good. Um, a couple of last thoughts before we uh, before we let people go. Um, there's been no guidance, as we have mentioned um, specifically, but as far as documentation goes, what do you think are uh, is going to be needed? for businesses to document some of these expected forgiveness amounts? Right. I think that some of the documentation you're going to need to pull together uh, to prove these expenses over that eight weeks are going to be your um, payroll records, whether it be payroll summaries, pay stubs um, for all of the employees for all of the time periods that you paid them within that eight-week period. As far as um, rents and interest and utility payments, they're going to want to see 
actual lease agreements because they will have to prove that that lease agreement was in place before that February 15th, 2020 date. They're going to want to see utility invoices and then documentation that you did actually pay those items. So it could be canceled check if you're paying them with a check. You could have to provide a copy of a bank statement to show if you're paying those things electronically that that money did actually come out of your bank and you did pay it. And likely you might have to provide some sort of payroll tax returns like your 941 tax returns or uh, as it relates to your health care benefits or retirement benefits, probably same sort of stuff, uh, invoices, uh, copies of checks, uh, perhaps bank statements and things like that. Um, and I know that there are several places uh, including CRI, CPA, where you'll be able to kind of run through a calculator uh, and help to calculate you through uh, the amounts of forgiveness um, that you can expect. Um, one other little item, you know, we, we've talked basically up until now about small businesses and nonprofit organizations where they pay employees. However, um, the PPP also applies to self-employed individuals. And the basis of the application for that um, is essentially your 2019 Schedule C net profit. Uh, and that amount is limited to $100,000, just like salaries for individuals working in businesses is $100,000. How do we go about calculating forgiveness for the self-employed uh, people when they are not necessarily paying themselves through payroll. That's right. So like you said, the PPP loan amount was based on that 2019 Schedule C net profit that's subject to self-employment tax. The forgivable portion is going to be directly calculated based on that 2019 Schedule C as well. So what it's going to do is look at that bottom line and that's going to be a year of worth of self-employment income. It's going to take that, divide it by 52 weeks, multiply it by eight weeks, and that's going to be the portion of your loan that's forgivable based on payroll costs. You still can use funds for rent if maybe you have a warehouse that you store your goods if you're a Schedule C um, retailer, or um, if you rent an office space that you work out of. You can still use that rent um, interest on loans that are secured by real or personal property that you use in your business, and utilities, if you pay utilities on those locations as well. And um, I just ran through some quick math, and it looks like if you've got a hundred, if you're at the $100,000 limit, divided it by 52, multiply it by eight, you get to a little bit more than $15,000 of forgiveness. So if the loan amount is associated with that, is it's a little bit more than $20,000, then you'll get a little bit more than $15,000 of forgiveness. And then that additional $5,000 is for those other things that you identified, uh, rents, utilities, uh, and, and, and the like. And if you are a self-employed person and you do happen to employ people, then you can also include those employees as part of your loan and obviously uh, as part of your forgiveness. 
So I think that about does it for us. Uh, the only last thing that I would uh, say to people, and, and Heather, I'll give you a chance to say a, a last thing as well, is just as we have documented and, and talked about throughout this process since it started, um, we've included a slide in all of our presentations that just says TBD, to be determined, because I think a lot of this still uh, is information that is going to change and there are things that are going to be determined in the future that we just don't know right now. I think that we will end up having some additional forms and some additional guidance that will come uh, from the SBA through the banks that will give us some additional information as we go forward on the forgiveness uh, provisions associated with PPP. Heather, do you have any last minute things to say? Yeah, I completely agree. I think we just need to keep our eyes open and keep looking for that guidance to come out um, to, to give us some, some better idea of how to document and what we're going to have to provide over this eight-week eight period. We do have some, some time, obviously. Uh, people are still getting funded right now. We expect there to be a little more money coming into the PPP program, so we're going to continue to see funding probably over the next couple of weeks. Um, so just Keep these ideas in mind of what you need to spend your costs on and uh, let us know if you need any help. All right. Well, we want to thank you again uh, for joining us uh, on this podcast. And uh, if you would like any additional information, uh, please visit our website, which is cricpa.com, or you can contact your local advisor uh, in the office that is closest to you. So would like to say thank you once again. Please stay safe and please stay healthy. Thank you very much. Goodbye. If you want more CRI insights or are interested in learning about our firm, please visit our website at CRICPA.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of It Figures, the CRI podcast. You can subscribe to It Figures on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review.